Hello and welcome to Who Are You? The Babylon 5 Watchcast hosted by two friends who are going to spend the next indeterminate amount of time recapping season one. I'm Jafer. And I'm Laura. And this episode's going to be a bit different. We're not going over an individual episode. We're going to just talk about season one for a while. We have a bunch of stuff we want to do with this episode, so we'll get right into it. We're going to talk about the themes of season one to start off. Yeah, let's just generally remind ourselves what happened in season one, because there was a lot, right? Yeah. This was a real journey. So some of the major themes that I pulled out, and you could interrupt me whenever you think of another one or you have something you want to expand on for this theme. But obviously, from the gathering onward, we have this mysterious kind of current about what was the resolution of the Earth-Mimbari War. Yeah. We know that it stopped suddenly. It was, yeah. we find out it was the decision of one cast. Mm -hmm. Sinclair had something to do with it. Yeah. Because he got kidnapped. Yeah, we find out, yeah, he was missing. And throughout the course of the season, we find out he was kidnapped and that there is something with Sinclair that is going to explain why the Mimbari stopped the war on the precipice of victory. Yeah. And we don't get closure on it. We haven't gotten that no. yet. And we don't until season three, I think. <laughs> it's going to be a slow burn, guys. Just hang in there. Yeah. So that's, that starts our series off. We have this kind of, we, we know something is not right with Sinclair in relation to the Earth Mimbari War. Yeah, it's the first big mystery. We also get an undercurrent that is really, you know, it doesn't really show its face. You, you wouldn't even notice it if you're just watching this show for the first time until the last episode of the season. And that is this like sinister feeling about what's going on on Earth. Yeah. Things are not well back home. Things, <laughs> something is rotten on Earth. Yeah. Uh, we have this lurking xenophobia that we do get an a episode about that. And a handful of other references to it throughout other episodes. You know, it, it's directly the plot of the war prayer mm -hmm. where Delenn's poet friend gets beat up and stuff. Yes, yes, that's the yeah. one I was thinking of where we have the overt xenophobia. But there's lots of other stuff too. There's lots of talk about, you know, assassination attempts on ambassadors here and there or just general xenophobia, both and not just from humans too, because we get a bit of it in TKO mm -hmm. of aliens towards humans. Yeah. And also the Mimbari warrior cast when they have the funeral, there's a lot of it there too. Yeah. And it's it's more subtle in those episodes, I think, than it was mm -hmm. in the war prayer. Like the oh, war yeah. prayer is we're making an overt statement about racism. But in TKO, you still have, you know, the human using derogatory words like snakehead. Yeah. Just very casually. And that's how mm -hmm. a lot of racism happens. Right. And xenophobia is more like the casual reference to snakeheads than the actual, like, we're beating someone up and branding something on their forehead. We have a theme of telepath oppression. So we see that Psychor has some very strict rules for our telepaths. Mm -hmm. They have been regulated to the point that they have to either join Psychor or take drugs to suppress their abilities, or they can go to jail. And those are their options if they're on Earth or some sort of Earth territory. And question, because they don't really talk about this at all, but if you go to the jail, don't you think they just give you the drugs? Mm. Like, is it some kind of special telepath jail or something? Like, what's that jail like, I wonder? That is a good question. 
<laughs> do we just get to sit around in the jail and read each other's minds? Like, right? Yeah. Is it how is that terrible? Is it just a jail filled with latent telepaths and psychops? Yeah. Sounds miserable. Oh, positively dystopian. And that brings me back to, you know, the problems on Earth. Like there's this sort of feeling that maybe Earth isn't fascist exactly, but the democracy that is there seems to be fragile. Like we have a president who's constantly being referred to as like barely holding the Senate together, which now that I think about it, that's that feels really weird. I don't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> Next theme. Too dark. Too dark. We got some story about the conflict on Mars. Which is more oppression. That's really, you know, I mean, that psychor, the xenophobia, they're yeah. all leading to the same place. Yeah. Democracies that are doing a lot of oppression probably aren't really strong democracies, huh? Yeah. Too dark. <laughs> Gotta go. Uh... We've gotten, you know, reference to the shadows and we've sort of seen them in the last episode. We mm -hmm. know that there's some sort of race with a lot of power and some type of cloaking technology out there doing some very nefarious things. Yeah. So those were the major themes that I pulled out. Did I forget anything? If you did, I didn't have the forethought to write it down. I'm sure someone will tell us on the Discord. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah what it's there for to talk uh -huh. about stuff exactly so we asked for some listener feedback and we got a bunch of responses between email and reddit so we're going to go ahead and read some of the feedback we got you want to kick us off laura okay so on the reddit what we asked was what are your favorite season one moments or characters or episodes mm -hmm. just general you know tell us your favorite things about season one so uh we got some feedback from Armored Lemon on Reddit that uh, I thought this was very funny, that people who say that season one is bad are liars. And I found <laughs> that especially funny because we all remember that I definitely have said that. <laughs> I said the same thing and I had watched it not even a year previous uh -huh. and I couldn't feel more different right now. Same, same. I, I feel like I have learned my lesson on that. No mm -hmm. more, no more blanket statements about uh, Babylon five seasons for me because Except they're right. for season five season five is still trash well I haven't seen most of season five yet <laughs> I don't think so if we could agree on one thing universally it's that crusade is terrible so there's <laughs> that at least yeah yeah so armored lemon said that they, they shared some moments that you know there's the obvious stuff like the space battles physics mm -hmm. raider battles epsilon three battle but, you know, there's all other things that are world building and, and episodes featuring the mystery. They pointed out the friendship between Sinclair and Garibaldi and that friendship and banter, which we've also talked about and enjoyed. Yeah. Fast and zip. Oh, and the, uh, you know, I know we're going to do quotes in another section, but they said one of their favorite quotes was that you're more trouble than a toilet full of snakes. And I really <laughs> like that because it does feel like a very Oklahoma saying to me. Yeah. It feels very Midwest. <laughs> and then they said, you know, Babylon 5 is not afraid to deal with heavy subject matter. In addition to its uh, universe having several elements of dystopias, we have big themes of grief, mm -hmm. failed relationships, alcoholism, religious yeah. zealotry, and terminal illness. You know, we get a lot more real talk in this show. It is show. not light viewing. It's not light viewing. And especially in 
Star Trek, more so next generation than I think the others, things get wrapped up really easily in a, in a nice little bow in 40 mm -hmm. minutes. And I don't know about you, but I did not feel a lot of anything was wrapped up nicely in a bow. There are no bows in Babylon 5. That's actually the episode title. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, no, you're 100% you're correct. This show does not wrap things up neatly for you. It, it sets pieces to be used later. Right. That's the big difference. That's what makes this show revolutionary for its time. Yeah. Do you want to read some mail feedback? Sure. So we got a letter from Ben, our number one fan, with his thoughts on season one. He says, hello to my favorite podcast on Babcom. I'm really enjoying the show and can't believe we're already at the end of season one. I really enjoyed season one and loves to declare Talia Natoth, who is my wife's favorite character, and of course, Negrath. Such wonderful, deep characters that I'm sure will only grow to be more interesting over the following seasons as we spend more and more time with them. Jokes aside, I really enjoyed the first season, and I'm getting close to the end of my first watch through of the whole series. Season ones usually have a lot of problems where there is so much table setting you have to do, introducing things and making missteps, but I feel they did an admirable job. Definitely better than TNG season one, and even with their clear budget limitations. I can't wait for the next season and for this show to keep growing. So to answer Mr. Morden, what do I want? Season two of Who Are You, of course. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. <laughs> that is on the way starting next week from when you listen to this. I like that Ben's wife chose Natoth as her favorite. Yes. Um, <laughs> I've talked to Ben's wife about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's an interesting but, choice. So if you have feed, like insight, I'd love to hear it. Um. No, just I don't I haven't really dug into it too much. She just had mentioned that Natalia is a favorite character. Okay, so user one awabla question mark on the Reddit. You know, you can you can Gmail us on how to really say that. Said so season one had some really strong episodes. Sinclair was very good at making things mysterious and dignified. Totally agree. Uh, mm -hmm. It builds enough to make the universe interesting. They said, I don't understand where this idea of negativity for season one comes from, to be honest. And I agree now, you know, I before was one of the negatives, but this season one is actually a little bit more meaty and lighthearted than I remembered. Uh, they said, my only real gripe about season one and the whole of the arc is the quality of the backdrops for the inside of the station. They look like paintings and unless you are pointed to them, you would be forgiven for thinking they are paintings and not supposed to be the scenery of the inside of the O'Neill cylinder. They clarify that the paintings are good. I didn't <laughs> notice what things were paintings to fair. <laughs> are my eyes just that bad? I mean, you can tell sometimes. Yeah, okay. It's not as apparent as in TNG. I okay. feel like in TNG, it's real bad. It's definitely more of like the Voyager where the paintings aren't nearly as uh, blatant. I think I'm really good at letting myself just submerge into the story. And the suspension I, of disbelief. Yeah. yeah. And I, I overlook some of these things because I was like, paintings? What paintings? I'm going to have to go back and look through some scenes and find these. I said some of the acting in season one also lends itself to making characters more real. And they, I find it charming. Season one is refreshing when it comes time to restart watching from the beginning. And that word refreshing stuck with me because I thought about some of the things that are coming up. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I could see that uh, because we do get in some dark, dark places. Yeah. User Marishka77 said that Zathras, everyone forgets poor Zathras. 
is their <laughs> favorite moment. The breakfast prank from Babylon Squared. Yeah. That's, yeah, I get it. And then Sinclair's rant monologue about the Battle of the Line and the flashback with the exploding ships accompanied by Frank's great score. Yeah. That's an iconic moment from this season. For sure. Sir John Card said that, you know, it's a somewhat cliche response because it's in the season finale. But when Earth Force One exploded, that told me that the show wasn't about maintaining the status quo and that there would be ramifications. Even when Garibaldi got shot, you know, he was able to warn Jeff, but it was still too late. Most shows would save the president at the last minute. It's true. And that's what we were talking about. You know, there are no bows on Babylon 5. Mm -hmm. We don't get things wrapped up nice and neat. And I think that was pretty unusual for the 90s storytelling. For sure. You know, obviously, child. So I don't know that I watched that many things in the nineties <laughs> that weren't cartoons, but it, it feels like a much more modern way to tell a story that we're used to it mm -hmm. now, but we weren't in the nineties. For sure. So we got a letter in from another one of our very regular contributors, uh, Patrick. So I'm going to go ahead and read the first half of Patrick's letter because the second half is all of Patrick's favorite quotes, which actually inspired us to do a quote section our favorite quotes from the season later so i will share some of those in with ours especially because there's definitely a lot of overlap because patrick has good taste in quotes patrick says season one is my favorite season despite only having lita in the pilot at this point the babylon 5 universe is an unrealized possibility every episode feels like it foreshadows epic things even bad episodes contain easter eggs for those aware of the spoilers the emergent themes are already present, and several episodes discuss them in ways I find more powerful than in the later, larger story. I find season one to be the most fun season. The first season has a huge helping of playful, character-focused scenes. Lando becomes one with his inner self at the religious festival and passes out. Mm. Jakar sings to his dinner. Ivanova teaches us the Babylon 5 mantra and says the immortal line, boom, tomorrow. Lando cheats at poker with his penis. Um... <laughs> I enjoy watching our heroes fail to notice the growth of fascism back on Earth as they deal with the moment-to-moment -moment emergencies that distract them. That feels particularly relevant these days. Uh, most importantly, the Great Machine hasn't sent the Mantis crime boss back in time to the 20th century Sunnydale to be killed by a cheerleader. <laughs> Is that in Buffy? Oh, my God. I, yeah, I've heard that, yes. <laughs> Is the suit makes it to Buffy? Uh -huh. Like, actually? Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I was, I've seen all Buffy, and I've never... Okay. Well, now you got to go back. Now I got to go and watch Buffy, I guess. I know we're doing our favorite characters later, but I'm going to go ahead and insert that my son's favorite character is Negrath. Yeah. He's very into bugs. Thanks for uh, sharing all that with us, Patrick. T-Rex Queen on Reddit shared with us personal favorite moments from season one. We've got episode four, Infection, at the very end, when Seclair makes the monologue about why it's crucial for mankind to go to the stars to preserve our species. And our history is a, it's a moment that really spoke to them. Episode yes, five, great. Uh, the parliament of dreams, Sinclair showcasing the massive range of diversity of cultures of earth. Sinclair got good ending moments on both of those episodes. Right. In row. Interesting. Episode six, mind war, Jakar's monologue about, I am both terrified and reassured that there are still wonders in the universe. I don't care how standalone it is. The episode Believers is an incredible character and moral predicament story. Some solid picks in there. For sure. And it's very funny to me that those are some solid moments because, you know, I largely feel 
about infection that it was kind of a turkey. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get there. CoFragment on Reddit said, the thing I love about season one is that even horrible episodes have redeeming qualities. TKO has the Ivanovo moments and mm -hmm. Infection has the story about why we should be out there. So, I mean, yeah. I agree. I think there's only one or two real absolute stinkers in this whole season. Lucario Wizard 101 on Reddit says, season one is well-written, well-acted, and a good experience. The problem is that it's worse off than the seasons two to four because the team is still forming into the juggernaut that they will be later. I'm glad it exists, and I probably would only skip individual episodes in my rewatch, but the title of bad typically needs to be brought into context for anything. Like B5 on its worst episodes are better than most sci-fi today, the same way the worst meal prepared by a five-star chef is probably going to be better quality than something I attempted to cook. So that's a very nice acknowledgement of context. Yeah. So last one, Style for Allie on Reddit said that Sinclair's decision and by any means necessary, we hadn't mentioned that yet, Yeah, is a iconic moment from season one. Okay. So favorite quotes. All right. Hit it. So, go ahead. Start us off. Favorite quote from Lone Rhino 1019. My shoes are too tight and I have forgotten how to dance. Yeah. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, that comes in a pretty heavy episode. That's it does. The, that's the xenophobia episode, isn't it? Yeah, it's from the war prayer. Yeah. Sometimes doing the right thing doesn't change anything, which is Sinclair and Believers, another heavy one. But, you know, we also have, you know, he has become one with himself from Veer in the Parliament <laughs> of Dreams. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you should never hand someone a gun unless you're sure where they'll point it. Sinclair, mm -hmm. any means necessary. The avalanche has started. It is too late for the pebbles to vote. Gosh, and believers, you take, Zathras die. You leave, Zathras die. Either way, it is bad for Zathras. Yeah, it's stuff like that. But I just love Zathras. <laughs> yeah. They are alone. They are a dying people. We should let them pass. Yes. From Kosh. Mm -hmm. What do you want, you moon-faced assassin of joy? I wonder sometimes how much of Londo's lines were written and how much of was just Peter Jurassic just having a good time. Almost all of it was written, except mm -hmm. for the one episode. Yeah, because we, we called it out, the, the improv in uh, the ceremony scene of Parliament of Dreams. Oh, it's yeah. like it. Everything else written line. Fantastic. He delivers it well. Ivanova, there's nothing more annoying than Mr. Garibaldi when he's right. Yeah, we all know someone like this, right? There's the Babylon 5 mantra, of course. We can't neglect to mention Ivanova is always right. I will listen to Ivanova. I will not ignore Ivanova's recommendations. Ivanova is God. And if this ever happens again, Ivanova will personally rip your lungs out. Just kidding about the God part. No offense. Yeah. I feel like that's a good addition. You have forgotten something. That's so good to Kosh just at the end, just like BT dubs plot point. Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I feel like I say that a lot to TV shows when they do this thing where the characters get caught up in a moment and forget about the other thing that they're worried about. Uh -huh. I'm like sitting there like, guys, you, you forgot about this thing. And so it's so like to have Kosh say it actually yeah. to the character felt very uh, cathartic for me. Yeah, it was a very nice acknowledgement of the audience feelings. <laughs> and speaking of uh, Kosh, we also have the understanding as a three-edged sword line uh, from Deathwalker. Did you have any other quotes you wanted to throw out there? 
I think you just nailed my last one. All right. The show's immensely quotable. Every single episode has got got at least two or three quotes. Yeah. All right. So to finish off our season one recap, we're going to do a segment called, is it the one? What is the one, Jafar? Well, that's, this, that's what we're going to be asking each other. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be asking each other for the one favorite thing for a topic for the season. We'll go back and forth a little bit on it. So, Laura, who is the one best reoccurring or guest star character? I mean, there are several good ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we have a soft spot for Zathras. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have to give best recurring character guest actor to Mr. Bester. Yeah. <laughs> we only he really get him comes once. in hot. Yeah. Makes an impression in this season. We only get him once this season, but. It is very memorable that that Mind War episode, you know, he's coming back. So, Jafar, who is the one best one off character for you? Uh, that's got to be David Warner's character in Grail for me. Yeah. OK. Uh, he's just he's so good. He's such he just acts the hell out of everything. He's manages to be very important while not being important at all because of his relationship uh, and the reverence that Delenn has for him and his relationship to Mimbari culture. It just is such a thing. It also gives us a fun Veer moment, too. So, yeah, I think that character is probably my favorite one-off. He's a great way for us to experience each of the different ambassadors through human who is not a main character's eyes. So, Laura, who is the one character with the most growth this season? Oh, this is a tough one, right? Yeah. Um, I think an obvious choice could be Sinclair because he goes from, you know, not being able to remember his past, having this unresolved relationship with Catherine to kind of getting his shit together at the end, personally, mm-hmm. only for things to fall apart professionally. You could even say Jakar because Jakar started out in the gathering as like, a cartoonish villain. Yeah, he was Snidely <laughs> Whiplash for the first couple episodes. Yes, yes. And then by the end, he's morphed into this, you know, thoughtful, reconsidering ambassador, you know, because you see hesitation in him about where things are going in the last episode. But for me, I think the most growth happens with Ivanova. Because, That's fair, yeah. You know, early in the season... We see her begrudgingly contacting her father for the last time, knowing that he's passing away. He's terminally ill. We know that her relationship with her parents was not great. We find that out all through the season with her mother being on the anti-telepath drugs, her father being distant, her, you know, sort of admitting to kind of running off to the military, you know, for the the cause of serving Earth, but also Mm -hmm. like getting away running from her parents so far as to go to the stars. And then at the end of the season, you know, we get in TKO her like journey with that grief and grappling with, you know, the fact that her father couldn't be everything that she needed after her mother died. He couldn't do anything to save her mother, like working through that whole story. Yeah. So to me, I'm going to go with Ivanova for best growth. 
most gross. Okay, so tell us, Jafar, what you think is the one best Sinclair dad moment. I think the best Sinclair dad moment. You know, I had my answer picked out for this, and then we brought up by any means necessary earlier from the Reddit feedback, uh-huh. and it makes me want to change my mind. But I think I still got to go with his handling of Ivanova's dad's shiva. It was just like, you didn't go because we were in the middle of a crisis. Commendation on your record, but you know, mm-hmm. like he handles it perfectly. It's like I'm not going to shame you for running from your feelings, even though I know exactly that's what it was. Because you have a justifiable reason in the eyes of yourself, I I think he would disagree. I think if it had come up during that crisis, he would have still said go. But he doesn't take that opportunity to be all like, what's wrong with you? He's all like, no, it's time to heal. You have to do this. And I think that's coming from experience. I think Sinclair is a man who has done this. And so he knows that it's a horrible mistake. He's not telling you because he knows better. It's because he's been there. Yeah. All right, Laura, what is the one best bit this season? Well, we've already said that the breakfast prank is pretty great. We had our one of our Reddit folks mm-hmm. acknowledge that for us. So ignoring the breakfast prank, I have to choose the character who probably got the most bits in general, and that would be Londo. And the best Londo bit is obviously playing poker with his penis. One of the six. <laughs> right. Uh, is it cold in here or is it just me? Yeah. And this is this is one of those Babylon 5 moments that, you know, the show ain't Star Trek because we're going to make that joke. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jafar, what is the one best guest actor moment for you? This immediately apparent to me. Uh, this is Ron Canada almost apologizing <laughs> at the end of A Voice in the Wilderness. <laughs> Yeah. Because it just spoke to me on so many levels. That's just a, a good get. Oh, I guess you were right. Bye. I'm Ron Canada. I don't have right. to apologize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, we've got three more and we'll both answer these ones. Okay. Laura, what is the one best episode of this season? Mm. Okay, well, this, you know, we were talking about this off pod, choosing these. Mm-hmm. Um. I've actually changed mine since we were talking. Oh my gosh, it's great. I love (laughs) how it evolves. Uh, We both said that, you know, obviously it's Babylon Squared, but we can't just pick Babylon Squared. Yeah, what is the one best besides Babylon Squared? (laughs) The actual question. So if we're picking the, the one best not Babylon Squared episode, I would go with, for me, the Parliament of Dreams. That's what I changed mine to. Oh, no. It's so good. It's fine. I'll just go back. This is why I've got two answers. (laughs) I have to go with the Parliament of Dreams because I did find, as one of our Reddit users noted, that that final scene was very moving for me. And Mm -hmm. also, Jakar being, like, hunted and his cartoonishly scared, like, reaction to that throughout. When he switches his, like... Uh, pepper or whatever it was with Havanova really quick in the background. Uh-huh. <laughs> so good. <laughs> that whole thread, it, it gave me the giggles every yeah. time. And then the moments that were, you know, we got so much about the world just like dipping in on the, everybody's religions. Mm-hmm. And then the moment at the end where Sinclair reminds us that 
the diversity and scope of humanity is beautiful. Yeah. Like, Parliament of Dreams is is it for me. But what is the one best episode for you? Mind War. Yeah. It's so good. Walter Koenig is so good. But besides that, just like we get so much world building. They managed to make you feel sympathy for Psychor mm-hmm. for a minute, which is for important uh, mm-hmm. to feel that now because you won't later, which is actually uh, the exact same thread I picked for my favorite character when we get to that in a couple questions. It, it's gr- my favorite now because you can still feel sympathy for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mine was great. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a really fun episode. Good payoff. Like everything that's going on and then Talia moves the penny and stuff. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And it's astounding to me, me who said that season one was bad in like the first one or two episodes of our show mm-hmm. that we just chose favorite episodes from episode six and episode seven of this yeah. season. Like it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I, it was bad. <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit of a hump initially and then there's a bit of a slog towards the end, mm-hmm. um, which we'll talk about now, because what is the one least favorite episode? For me, it's Soul Hunter. Yeah. Soul Hunter is not a good episode. Tell me the things that you pull out of it that you don't like. It's fucking weird. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a fun or good way. It's just it's kind of painful to watch sometimes. Um, it's mm-hmm. a really mm-hmm. lots of weird moments for Franklin in it. Yeah, just like don't piece together well with his character. Also, it's probably got the worst special effects of the whole season, which I, think I try that not might to be, be arguable, but too yeah. judgmental. That that <laughs> orb thing is real yeah. bad. Yeah, and I know they're just getting their feet wet, but it's just it's like it's such a weird story beat to bring up too at that point. Yeah, because you, it's really it feels like an excuse to talk about Ducat in a lot of ways that episode. And I understand you want to introduce that early, but if you had given this to us after the episode with Sinclair's wiki being read to him, I feel like you could have done a lot more with it without needing this to set up that breadcrumb that small that early. Yeah. I feel like you could have given a medium-sized breadcrumb a little bit later as opposed to this very small one and made it that much more interesting later and i feel like the the plot about these souls being taken is is such an interesting idea and the execution just does not work for me like you said special effects aren't great props aren't great that's that's when we discovered that babylon 5 loves tubes right and then the whole like scene with the is so creepy and just like like coded as sort of a rape that I was like, yeah. nah, I'm checked out. You you lost me. <laughs> not not enjoyable. There's a bit of the the coded rape in the show. I mean, there's it's in Mind War too. Mm, yes, yes. Um, for some reason that execution, while it is terrible, it didn't like hit me the same way. But yeah, I mean, I think Talia's like has a member of Psychor. This is clearly something she's experienced. Mm-hmm. It's. I feel like it's a very unpleasant, but still part of the job that she signed up for in some ways. Yeah. So and it's mm. also what she does to other people. Mm. You know, there's that side of it, too. Yeah. That make it probably feel not quite as uh, involuntary as the soul hunter is definitely. 
so yeah what's your least favorite episode what what is the one least favorite episode for you laura my one least favorite episode i'm gonna be very cliche and i'm gonna go with tko you know in retrospect the more i think about it the stuff with ivanova really redeems that episode for me it does but the boxing bit is terrible and it's very needlessly racist Mm -hmm. so not to invalidate your choice because it is a bad episode and it is not fun to watch. Yeah, it seems like, you know, in general, Reddit loves to hate on TKO. Why I choose it is I do not care about a boxing episode. And I said that yeah. in our our episode on that show, like those this big sports metaphors and stuff, it's all kind of lost on me. And I just like I could have skipped that one and I probably did. <laughs> as a kid and just not get anything out of it. I, I wish the Ivanova plot could have been stuck in a different episode. That's how I feel about yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. I feel that way about a lot of the plots. Yeah. And a lot of the episodes looking at you, quality and mercy. <laughs> so I'm going with TKO just because it's a cliche doesn't mean it can't be true. It's fair. <laughs> so we need to choose what we think is the one underdog episode hmm. of the show. You want to define what makes an underdog episode? The underdog episode is the episode that when you read the description or had a memory of it, you were just like, oh, I don't want to watch this fucking episode. And then you <laughs> watched it and you felt differently. You actually liked it. So for me, the underdog episode would have been Believers. Yeah, you I would agree. Uh, Believers is there. Death Walker. Uh, I was kind of like, eh, we're about to make a bunch of Nazi illusions. You know, like, but mm-hmm. a, a better episode than I remember. Yeah, Believers, I specifically about that one, I remembered, like, absolutely hating the parents and being 100% Team Franklin. And I thought, I'm not going to like this. Yeah. And then when I watched it, go figure, as an adult, have a more nuanced view on that mm-hmm. episode. And yeah. my my opinion totally flipped. And as a parent, you know, mm-hmm. you've got that whole side of things that, I just don't comprehend. Yeah. The other, another one for me would be Grail. Yeah. I, I went into Grail thinking it was kind of hokey, probably. But the more I think about it, the more I like that episode. When you go into that one, you're also thinking, oh, this is that one episode. And then it's yeah. not that one episode. It's not that one episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're waiting for Basil Exposition to show up and you're just waiting and waiting. Mm-hmm. All right, Laura. Last question we have. Who is the one? Who is your favorite character from season one? The one from one. Who is the one? It's tough because everyone is so human and relatable. And even even this early in the show, Mm -hmm. well acted, uh, well fleshed out. All of our characters have a very round backstory that we know parts of, at least. You know, if we don't know it all, we know parts. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to give it to Sinclair. I didn't expect myself to feel that way because I think I've, I know I've told people in the past that Sinclair is just forgettable and I just didn't feel that way this time. Like he's great. I know I had mentioned picking up the season guides I found at the used bookstore. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned on pod that the season one had a forward written by Michael O'Hare that would Mm -hmm. have been written before the airing of season five. So he had already come back, done his stint, those couple of episodes he did in season three. And 
there's not really a good place to talk about it. There's not really a whole lot to talk about. One, it's very short, but it's just like Babylon 5 was one of the best things I did with my life. Like it's very positive, very affirming of his time on the show. You know, the friends that he made, that kind of a thing. And it yeah. was so short. For, yeah. For someone who uh, couldn't get his name right for the first five episodes of our podcast, <laughs> um, he's definitely a much more developed character than I remember. Mm-hmm. Even coming off of my fresh rewatch, you know, well, now a year and a half ago, because time be like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, we've been doing this podcast for half of a year now weekly this show this has been airing for yeah i was gonna say we've been doing it a little longer <laughs> well we've been doing it for almost a year uh yeah but we gave ourselves been, some good runway the show's been airing now for yeah because we started well how many there's how many episodes are in the season 20 24 right? plus two for the gathering 24 plus this episode plus the chud episode this is this is episode 26 yeah this is our halfway point of a year we've been episode yeah so yes uh, happy six months happy <laughs> happy six months um <laughs> all right yeah um, so you've got to tell us your favorite character too my favorite character from season one has got to be londo yeah uh I while, see that too while you still can because he is gonna go from lovable scamp to completely irredeemable here yeah pretty quickly <laughs> He's he's very much comic relief in most of these episodes. Yeah, I feel like there are one or two episodes where he just shows up to be funny for two minutes and then he's gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he's he he has a darker side to him that has been slowly drawn out throughout the course of the season. And that last, I episode. feel the point of no return was the end of season one. To be perfectly honest, for him. Uh-huh. But uh, the point of no return is also the name of season three. So it's probably still coming. Yeah, no, this last episode feels very like you made a choice and it got 10,000 people killed. Yep. Uh, even though those 10,000 people were far away and they weren't the same species as you. Like, that's still a pretty. Yeah. How do you recover from that? You don't. <laughs> How do you come back? So, well, it's been a great first season. Yeah. I've enjoyed it a lot. Me too. It's been nice watching it. It's been nice talking about it. Next week, we've got season two, episode one, Points of Departure. Babylon 5 gets a new leader, Captain John Sheridan. Ambassador Delenn continues her transformation. Garibaldi remains in critical condition. Yeah, that sums it up, really. (laughs) Yep. Do you think you're going to get that episode wrapped up in a little bow? Spoilers. You won't. (laughs) You don't. You never do. Yeah. Until uh, until the last episode of season five. <laughs> right. Well, thank you to Jeremy Siegel 42 for our theme music. He's at jeremysegel42.bandcamp.com. Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for the art we use for the podcast. Thank you. And if you ha- have any more thoughts about season one that you just have to get out, you can email us at whoareub5 at gmail.com. And we look forward to seeing you next week in season two. <laughs>